podcast is provided for general information and for general information purposes only and does not replace your financial, tax, legal or finance product advice. Hello everyone and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to listen to two of Australia's leading property experts talking about all things property buying, finance, strategy and lots more. Kate Hill and Nicola McDougall are the authors of the book The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. Kate is an award-winning property mentor and coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of buyer's agency, Advisable. And she's a successful property investor herself. Nicola is an award-winning and prolific property journalist. She has been involved in property research, analysis and reporting for 15 years. And she is also a successful property investor herself. Property investment is one of the simplest, safest and preferred ways for women to create financial freedom. And with the right information to make an educated and informed decision, this can be achieved. If you know a woman who is concerned about her financial future, or maybe that's you, if you're keen to improve your chances of creating an income for life, then this is your place to learn, be inspired and motivated. Along with some special guests, Kate and Nicola will be offering genuine practical news and tips to women of any age to stake your claim on the property market. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Hello, all you lovely ladies out there. It is Kate here. How is everyone doing? Today, I've got a couple of different segments for you. Nicola and I are going to be talking about all the bad news that there is in the press at the moment. You're going to come across this a lot when there's just world events happening and not just world events, but national events, wherever you are. There's always going to be a focus from the press and the media on bad and negative things that happen because obviously negative press gets a lot more clicks than positive press or positive news. So it's hard to stay motivated, to stay focused, on certainly on investing with all that stuff going on. So Nicola and I are going to talk about that. And after that, I've got a segment for you, some expert property investing insights from me about off-market property and is it all it's cracked up to me. (laughs) So stay tuned. Hello, lovely ladies out there. Nicola and I are back for this week's podcast. Say hello to the lovely people out there, Nicola. Hello to all of the lovely people out there. How are you all? Hello, everybody. So today I've got a fantastic topic for us, Nicola. It is, is there too much bad news to invest right now? There has been oh more than our fair share of bad news over recent weeks, months, even years. Heavens have opened in Australia. We've had flooding in Queensland and New South Wales, which bore the brunt of the worst flooding in years. And yet we're hearing that every year. It's a one in 500 year flood. It's left thousands of properties damaged. We've also had tragic loss of life. Uh, We have had Russia invade Ukraine. There is media obsession with looming interest rates. We're going to have a federal election at some point. The list will go on. The universe is giving us absolutely zero respite here at all. (laughs) The combination of so many sad events in such a short space of time, I haven't even mentioned COVID because I think we've all got COVID fatigue, Mm. but (laughs) the combination of all these sad events in such a short space of time could leave 
many of us reeling, worried about what the heck is coming next. And the really the topic is, you know, is the property sky falling? There's always a good reason not to do this, I guess, is what I'm going to put out there. Exactly. And I think I like as a property journalist um, mm-hmm. myself, this is a great topic because, <laughs> I, you know, when I was working as a journalist in newspapers 20 years ago, I, I wrote, yeah. you know, general news, politics, things like that. And when, since I've been writing about real estate, I guess, uh, and property investment, I've, I've written about strategies, you know, and, but there is always, there is always a reason not to invest. And there are always doom and gloom stories. Mm. And then there's boom and bust stories. And the reason why is uh, journalism 101 in regards to newsworthiness is thing is something that affects a lot of people and property is that thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's why you always see property stories because we all have to live in one, whether we are a renter or an owner. So that is why there are always property stories day in, day out. And, and on one day, on any given day, there can be a story by one particular uh, forecaster who is predicting that property prices are going to fall by 30% because of the pandemic. And Mm. on the same day, sometimes in the same publication, there can be a story by a different forecaster who is predicting that property prices are going to grow by 30%. So those two, you know, differing opinions, and that's all they are, is opinions on what the property market is going to do can appear on the same day. We also see many people going through analysis paralysis Mm. and always forever, forever in a day, searching Mm. for the perfect time to purchase property, whether it's their home or whether it's an investment property. And often they are using the media as some type of guiding light that will will show them, (laughs) this is the time, this is the right time. So... I just wanted to like have a bit of a monologue there about why yeah. there's always so many property stories. Mm-hmm. And when I'm, I'm meaning online, I mean online and in print, yeah. obviously on TV, because newsworthiness, the most newsworthy topics are the one that, that affects the most people. Yeah. And we are very emotionally involved yeah. with our homes, yeah. with the places that we call our homes, even if we don't own them. But for a lot of people... There's, you know, there's the typical kind of ratio of owners and renters is around 70%, mm-hmm. right? But That's then right. we also now have this growing uh, segment of the market, which are rent vesters. So even if you are renting and you don't own where you live, you might have one or two investment properties or more. So I'd say that the, the percentage of people who have an interest in property is, as you say, is huge, because even if you don't actually own where you live, at least 70% of most people do own where they live. And if you don't own where you live, then you are likely to own somewhere else or you are saving to own where you're going to live. So the I think the motivation, like you say, behind why there is this constant coverage of property in the media, it's, it's obvious. Like you say, everyone has skin in the game. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's why, and we talk about this quite a bit in the book, about why you need to choose your experts wisely, because, you know, anyone who was following certain uh, economists and forecasters at the start of COVID may have... The, the market did very little that in 2020 mm. uh, because there were all these forecasts that prop, that prices would fall by 30%. Uh, 
as we now know, two years on, the opposite um, was true over 2021. Mm. And in fact, you know, the, the the biggest sort of boom in prices collectively over the country, I think that's ever, that's ever happened here in Australia. Yes. Um, however, most educated property investors uh, were following the opinion and advice of the experts that they had uh, chosen to work with and or, you know, follow. Um, And those experts, then the minority at the time, Pippa being one as well, who were saying, well, no, these ridiculous forecasts of prices falling by so much is just not going to happen. Here is some research over the last 50 years Mm. of what's happened to capital city prices after Mm. every economic downturn, and we believe that prices will be stable and then there will be a strong price growth. So this is another reason why it's so vital, and we outline it a lot in the book, that people, you know, make sure that the person whose advice they are listening to is qualified and experienced enough to give that advice. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a key, a key when you think about it, and and I've got we've got some stats here of all the horrendous world events that have gone on in the past 15 years. Each one of those events would have been unprecedented, you know. So we've just gone through this two, two years, feels like 400, of COVID. Again, un- it isn't unprecedented, obviously, but it is, you know, the current generations have never lived through anything like this before. So, but each one of these events, and it won't be the last, there will be more, it'll be unprecedented. And the media loves that word, unprecedented. And in a way, while I, I don't obviously ever want to trivialise what's happened, but you, on a level you kind of need to normalise it in your mind that these things do happen, they will continue to happen. And if you keep using that, I hate to forgive the word, everyone, as an excuse to not do this, you are never going to do this because these events will keep happening. There will be more wars, unfortunately. I can't believe it's still happening in 2022. There will be more pandemics. There will be more things that we haven't even thought of that are going to happen. And each one of them will be not great to live through, but we'll get through it. And then in 10 years time, it'll be, oh, do you remember that back then? I wish I'd have bought bought property back then because look at what's happened. Well, exactly. And I think, as you've mentioned in a previous show, Kate, you know, you've been in Australia, I think it's for 15 years now. And if mm-hmm. we, and I've certainly been reporting uh, and then mm-hmm. analysing the prop- property market across Australia since 2006. If I, and, and, and also, you know, working in, in the sort of space where we were, I was working, doing some public um, relations for a big yeah. industry body at the time of the GFC, at the time of the Queensland FUDs in 2011. Yes. yes. Um, in the last 15 years, you know, we've had obviously the GFC, we had Brexit. Brexit that was announced yeah. seemingly over oh. here in Australia that was supposed to be a problem for us as well. Yeah. Sydney had a really strong, we had that five years of, of, mm. of a market cycle, yeah. which in 2017 yeah. turned into a bubble seemingly. 2019, I was on the board of, of Pippa and we were campaigning against some of the Labor policies that wanted to get rid of negative gearing, um, negative gearing tax concessions here in Australia. Then, of course, as you've just mentioned, we had um, COVID in 2020 and continuing in 2022. Mm. And recently we've had the floods in uh, New South Wales and Queensland. So that's a lot of, you know, big events that have, you know, big impacts, not only on our economy, but also on our psyches. 
However, over that time, if we use Melbourne as an example, let's yeah. consider that in 2007, the median house price in Melbourne was $420,000. And that was at a time of, of quite sharply rising interest rates. And I remember that quite well I because too. I had yes. my, bought my first property the year before <laughs> yeah. and it went up to 9.6%. Yeah. So if we think about Melbourne in 2007, median house price 420. Then mm-hmm. over the course of the, the next 15 years, even though we had these quite major, significant, sometimes global events happening, mm-hmm. each year that median house price in Melbourne continued to trend higher. So that in 2022, the median house price was just a smidge over $1 million. So that means that over that 15-year period, the median house price in Melbourne soared by 139%, which is astonishing when we think about all the bad news bears that were included in in, in that scenario, in that example. So I think it's important for everyone to choose their experts wisely, read some media stories, not all. There are some great there yeah. are some great property journals out there and some great outlets that are producing, you know, excellent uh, property analysis and research out there. However, the number one thing that you need to consider is what's, you know, w- what is your plan? What's the right time for you to purchase? It's not about trying to time the market. Mm-hmm. It's about time in the market. And if someone in 2007 who wasn't scared of the fact that interest rates were rising uh, decided to buy an average house in Melbourne, um, they would be $600,000 richer today. Yeah, which is, that's that's quite the retirement fund, everyone. And think of if you had three or four or five of those. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily, obviously not necessarily saying all in Melbourne, but, you know, if you had those strategic property investments around the country and you had taken the plunge, not, not necessarily all in one year, of course, but, you know, you, you did start to build your portfolio then, look at where you would where you would be now. So, and even if we think about Mm. the Sydney property bubble in 2017, where some lending restrictions were brought in, which prevented a lot of us that were nowhere near Sydney from purchasing more investment properties that may have included me. The bubble back then, I think the median house Mm. price in Sydney back then was about a million. What is it today? 1.3. Yeah. um, Or something along those lines. So, yeah. You know, I think it's just vital for everyone to understand and to do their own research, but to understand that real estate, property investment has a proven history, proven history over decades Mm. of sustainable, sustainable, we're not saying that the last 12 months was sustainable, it was just this very strange event and, and mm. prices will probably soften a bit, but it doesn't matter if your if your strategy is holding for the long term, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in the yeah. next six, six months, 12 months yes. or the next five years. That's exactly right. And I think when you look at, you know, when you look at the events that you beautifully listed for us, we had rising interest rates, GFC, China's economy slowdown, Brexit, don't forget that little gem in there. Uh, Sydney property bubble, federal elections, as you say, threat of negative gearing going, being abolished, COVID pandemic, yet another property boom. I think what's key to remember, and again, we do talk about this in our book, that those market cycles, are, there are ups and downs to that. It wasn't a steady rise throughout, you know, Melbourne's property prices or Sydney's didn't, didn't go up steadily throughout that whole time. Sydney traditionally has quite a slowdown period where it does nothing for maybe eight, nine, 10 years, and then has a massive boom. But the key is that, you know, you hold 
you, you, you stay in the market long enough and you will get that property growth. But it, again, it doesn't happen regularly. You know, you won't get your little four and a half, five percent every year. Obviously, these events do have an effect. But in the long term, that capital growth can be can be extraordinary. The key is how to ignore those doomsday merchants. How do you err on the side of history? get your next property investment or your first property investment, you know, what, what is it going to take for you to ignore the noise out there? It's, mm. it's, that's not easy for people to just go, no, I'm going to complete. Everyone is swimming that way. Everyone's really scared. Oh, my God, oh, my God, the world's ending. I'm, I'm going to go this way. I'm just mm. going to swim the other way and do this instead because I believe in what these facts and figures are telling me. That is really hard to do. Yes, I mean, yeah, it can be. I mean, and, and the majority yeah. probably don't do that because they don't have the access to, to the right information or yeah. research and advice. Mm. But once you are working uh, or following a bona fide expert who has runs mm. on the board um, in this space, mm. then, you know, and everyone is responsible for their own research and their own decision-making, but it's about really sort of drilling down and finding those experts who are the ones that you mm. believe in and trust their advice and who have the experience to mm. hand on heart, you know, put forward opinions and what they believe will happen. And often it's usually because as well, it has happened in the past. Yes. And they've gone through some property cycles. Mm. Mm. As you say, they have that experience. And if I can just refer back to a previous conversation that we had, they are QPIA qualified. They're qualified property investment advisors. They're not selling you a product. They are genuinely looking out for you, helping with your strategy, tailoring advice to suit you, not lining their own pockets. Sorry, I know that's, you know, uh, but it's true. It's it's selecting your experts and your team carefully to help you navigate through what can be a bit of an unsettling and scary time and proceed with your plan anyway. I think that's 100%. Really uh, one of the Pippa board members said last year, mm-hmm. It's always about, you know, making sure that you're buying a property and not being sold one. Absolutely. Can't stress that enough, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, everyone. So we wish you well, obviously, in your endeavours to plan your financial futures. Don't forget to order your copy of The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. It is available on Booktopia, on Amazon. We'd love to hear more from you what your experiences are, where have you been looking, have you been buying, what's going on in your lives. We love to hear stories from what you're experiencing. Obviously, we will cover this topic off much more as the year progresses. And um, we will see you all and talk to you all really soon. So bye for now. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Hello, everyone. I hope that you found... Nicola's and my discussion helpful. Like I said at the start, it's always really quite tricky sometimes to stay motivated and focused and block out all that white noise out there. So let me know how you're going. Don't forget to email us. And now straight into my property investment expert insights all about off-market property. Okay, everyone. So continuing on with what I am really hoping are some useful 
property investment expert insights from me. I want to talk to you today about off-market property. Is it the golden goose? Is it everything that it's cracked up to be? I often get asked this by prospective clients of ours as to whether we have access to off-market property. It seems to be a standard question that people want to know the answer to. And, and, and I get that. It's like I said in the intro, it it's, it's, appears to be a bit of a golden goose. But I do want to sound a little bit of a word of warning. But before I get into that, off-market deals, I guess you could call them, they have for a long time been considered a nirvana, if you will, of property investment. Now, this supposed removal of competition, because it's an off-market property, it's not going out there to the market as a whole, means that as a buyer, you may often feel that you can pick up a property for a better price than you would have achieved on the open market. Now, this may or may not be the case, depending on the market cycle, as well as whether you are able to determine whether that off-market property is in fact an opportunity or a threat to your finances. When markets are running really, really hot, as they have been now for the past least year and a half, it really does beg the question, why would a seller choose to sell their property off-market? When demand is outstripping supply, surely if you list a property on the open market, then you'll get the best price for it, right? Because obviously you've got more competition. Everyone is scrambling to get their hands on your property. But there are actually a number of reasons why people sell a property off market, even in rising and hot markets. And all you lovely lady buyers out there need to understand that before you submit an offer or choose to pass. One of the most common reasons for a property to be sold off market is because of perhaps privacy considerations of the seller. Now, I do come across this quite a lot. Sometimes sellers just don't want anyone else to know that they are offloading a property. It can be their home or an investment property, and that can be because of their unique circumstances. Who knows? It could be divorce, death of a family member, it could be financial distress. So no matter what those buying conditions are, as a buyer, you should always try and understand the seller's motivations for doing that, regardless of whether the property obviously is being sold on or off the market, because you need to be able to draft the best offer possible, not just for you, but also the seller. It's, it's an important thing to consider. Now, often, a quick off-market sale can actually be the best outcome for that seller and can be more important than the achieving of a really high sale price. Sometimes they're also just not interested in having people traipse through every open home for weeks on end. They want a short selling period to stop an endlessly long marketing campaign. And that can also be if the property is tenanted, right? Sometimes tenants don't give permission or enough permission to hold two open homes a week. They don't want the general public traipsing through the house uh, twice a week. Selling property is, as I'm sure we all know, a pretty expensive exercise. And most people don't do this very often. 
on top of the commissions that you as a seller are paying the selling agent, there are, or there can be, extensive marketing costs. And that could, those can run into the thousands. And often you have to pay a lot of that up front. So some sellers just don't have the funds or they just don't want to finance those kind of marketing costs. And when the market is really hot, as, as I say, as it has been for quite a while, Really, why would you need or want to pay thousands of dollars in marketing costs, which is essentially just advertising the selling agency, when there are so many interested buyers out there? At the end of the day, when you think about it, you're really, like I said, just paying for the agency to advertise themselves. Their logos and their details are all over that paperwork. They are more the most prominent thing on your marketing material rather than the property itself. So good agents always like to say that they can sell the property to their database without you having to fork out thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds or whatever it is you're paying. Another reason why a property might be marketed or sold off market is because the agent and the seller are trying to get a feel for a likely sales price. So this can be a bit of a tricky one to maneuver through because sometimes it might mean that the property isn't really actually for sale yet. They're just telling you that it's, hey, we've got this great off-market deal for you because they want to sound you out. In really fast-moving markets or for unique properties, unique is the most tactful way <laughs> I can think of to put it, it can be really difficult for some agents to calculate or estimate what or appraise what the likely sale price might be for that property, right? So by offering the property off market to a database of buyers, agents can get a better understanding of the possible price range for that property. Because those buyers will generally give them an indication of what they might be willing to offer on that property, that will then give them obviously an indication of what the market, which is you, the buyer, is willing to pay for it. And the agents will then use that as a price guide for when they actually list the property on the open market because it was never really an off-market opportunity in the first place. And this scenario can easily trip up perhaps a less experienced buyer and investor who might get a bit hot under the collar, if I can put it like that, about something that didn't really exist in the first place, right? Or you can overpay a property because of this perceived opportunity that actually wasn't one. It's kind of, it's a little bit tricky to get your head around. Now, the next one is something, again, to be careful of. Sometimes a property can be promoted as an off-market opportunity to create more interest in it because the property itself can actually be a little bit problematic. Perhaps it has a structural, cosmetic or location issue which would reduce the number of buyers interested in it on the open market. An agent doesn't want a property to not sell at auction or sit on the open market for weeks and months on end because it's not a good look for anyone, least of all the agency themselves. So by marketing it as a hot off-market opportunity, it can create, you know, it can drum up a bit of a buzz. It can create additional interest in a property that might have struggled to attract buyers under normal circumstances. And if you don't know the area or if you haven't done that due diligence, you can get caught out by something like this, right? This situation can trip up a novice buyer and investor 
who might not know all the right questions to ask and ascertain whether that property is in fact an opportunity or whether it's a big fat juicy lemon. So you really need to do that due diligence even more when purchasing off-market property, especially in a hot market and especially if you don't know the area particularly well or you don't know the agent, for example, right? Now, obviously, again, like I keep telling everyone, I do this every day. I do it for a living. I'm a trained property investment advisor. So I, or we as a team, obviously have a massive long due diligence list. All the properties are inspected, et cetera, et cetera, whether they're off market or on market. And we know the agents. The agents know us. So it's also not a reason for you, I have to throw this in there as well, to shy away from buying something that's interstate and not around the corner because you can't look at it. You can still do all that due diligence. So don't let this put you off. I'm just urging caution and getting everyone to really think about the fact that an off-market opportunity might not be that. Don't just automatically assume you've got this amazing opportunity. You still need to do all the same due diligence, right? Find out why it's being sold off-market. A true off-market opportunity, they do exist. They do exist in hot markets, but they really aren't easy to find, right? Because I said right at the beginning, why would a seller in a hot market sell something off market? And certainly not to me, because I'm not going to overpay for any of my buyers, <laughs> right? I always try and get a bargain or at least get something for fair market value. But the agent's job is to act for the seller and to drum up as much interest as possible and to create a real buzz around that property to drive up the potential sale price, Right. It takes a long time to develop significant relationships with sales agents in a variety of locations, like I said, and we do this for a living, right? So we have those relationships. So I found over time that agents, they come to trust a professional buyer's agent like me, or if you are an experienced investor, then you might have those relationships too. But I guess that's a little bit less likely because you don't want to be buying multiple properties in the same location always, right? Because you want to diversify your assets. So we have those relationships with agents because we buy property from them all the time. They know the kind of clients that we have and they come to trust a professional buyer's agent who works for qualified buyer who's ready to purchase, right? Agents know that they're not wasting their time. They know that the sale's likely to go through. And it often means that we have the first opportunity to learn about upcoming listings, which might suit our potential clients and property goals. Now, that is just the same as a good mortgage broker having a really good relationship with a lender and getting deals through, right? It's just the economy of scale, which as a one-off property investor, you're not always going to have. So hence these insights that I'm trying to give you, right? So there's absolutely no question that these off-market opportunities do exist in every type of market. The hard part for you is really just learning about them in the first place, right? And just to reiterate that point, you must, must do all your due diligence don't forget that in a shameless plug coming up in our book, The Female Investor, 
There are lots and lots of checklists. There's hints and tips about the kind of questions to ask, about the due diligence that you need to do, regardless of whether you're buying in your own town or whether you're buying in a completely different state and a town that you don't know at all. You must do that due diligence and don't assume, everyone, that that off-market property opportunity is, in fact, an opportunity. It might be a big fat lemon. So yet another sermon over with from Kate. <laughs> and I will talk to you lots more about all these kind of strategies and expert insights really soon, everyone. Bye. And that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it super useful. You can email us with any questions that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to order a copy of the book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon or Booktopia or anywhere that good books are sold. And you can head to thefemaleinvestor.com.au where you can click on the links and also find lots of resources on property investing, news, hints, tips and videos. We will be with you all again soon. Stay safe and well, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.